What up? I'm Lance Howard. And I'm Frank Patterson. Welcome to Pros and Conversation. Who you with? Who you with indeed. Welcome, earbuds. Thanks for joining us. We're happy to have you here. We have a very exciting show. Uh, we're only talking about one thing. We know we we know you've been waiting to hear for it. So we, Frank and I, are here to give you our official spoiler riddled review of. Yeah, riddled. I get it. <laughs> now again, if you have not seen the movie, uh, we try to give everybody ample amount of time before we started uh, spilling the beans. If you have not seen the movie, you might not want to listen to this until after you've seen the movie. Uh, because we are going to go full on into all of it. Um, and my first thought was it was a great movie. I loved it. Uh, we'll talk about whether it was my favorite Batman movie here in a little bit. But it was very, very good. It was very, very long. And it mm -hmm. was very different than I was expecting it to be uh, in a lot of different ways. It wasn't the traditional Batman that we've used to seeing, but there was a lot of reasons for that, but it was very good. I really enjoyed it. And Frank, um, I would just love to get your overall 30,000 foot uh, view of what you thought of the Batman. First of all, that hurts my feelings. If you think I talked too much. So a big round of applause of screw you, Lance Howard, if you please. <laughs> Thank you, earbuds. Thank you. I'm glad you're on my side. Um, so here's here's the thing. I thought that this was an amazing, the amazing Batman movie. Um, there was nothing I could find flaw with this movie. Um, he was talking about that fact that it was three hours long. Um, I yes, I it was three hours long, but I don't think it was overwrought or anything like that. In fact, I think that you don't notice it's three hours long until the very end when uh, the Riddler henchman says, I'm vengeance. And you're like, wow, that's three hours. Shocking. Because the movie moves at such a pace that you're always invested. Um, constantly, you're always invested in what's going on. And it keeps you invested um, in the characters and the set pieces, uh, even in the little things. Um, that happen in the background and the foreground um the world itself looks like it's been lived in and that in turn draws you into that particular world i agree uh i loved a lot uh as an avid movie watcher one thing i have started to notice is the way they'll film certain areas and certain things to kind of like you know the colors they'll use in certain scenes just to kind of depict mm -hmm. it like how they always use like that green background in the matrix uh how there's a lot of dark grays and stuff in john wick i know i'm talking about mm -hmm. a lot of keanu reeves movies but uh in this movie you see a lot of that and to your point there's a lot like they would always use a lot of dark stuff you know when especially when during the fight scenes and stuff but especially the one thing I always noticed is when they always went to the rooftop, like when Gordon and Batman was always up there at the rooftop where the um, bat signal was. Uh, it was always like the sun. It was always like this beautiful sunset. Um, mm -hmm. when, when he's up there with Catwoman, it's always color. At the very end of the movie, when he's, you know, out there saving the, you know, he's taking helping the people get off the roof of that building. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. It's tons of color. And, and to me, like to your point about the lived in part, like it felt like 
we are introduced to Gotham at a very low point. Uh, mm-hmm. There's this vigilante running around. Uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty. The vigilante himself is like on the border of evil. And at the end of the movie, when he's saving that people and it was like that beautiful sunset, I just like that because it was kind of a there is hope for Gotham kind of thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he's finding hope. They're finding hope in him. Um, so, yeah, it, it, that part was really cool. And I will say as far as it was a long it was a long movie. But it, like you said, to your point, it never felt it never felt rushed. It never felt uh, dead at any point. And I think a lot mm-hmm. of the character growth had a lot to do with that. Um, so I kind of wanted to get into just a couple of the, the big characters and and how they impacted. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first um, with the Riddler. Uh, and just because to your point, like this movie is three hours, but even from the opening scene of this movie with the Riddler, like he's just his depiction of him was so incredible. And then actually, and I know we haven't talked about this, Frank. I know this is kind of off the cuff, but did you see that Dano, uh, the, the guy who played the Riddler, he's actually helping write that uh, Riddler year the one comic. Uh, mm-hmm. the comic? I thought that was so cool because, and I, just to that, to his, I mean, he was just such a Paul, he was just such a a powerful character that they's like, you know, let's go ahead and pick up on this and go ahead and make a comic book about it. So I decided it was really cool. Frank, um, what are your overall, or what are your thoughts on the Riddler? Well, it's, I, I feel like you're taking the winds out of the air out of my mouth. Um, and that's only because we're saying the exact same thing. That initial scene where the Riddler makes that shriek and charges, old boy, I can't remember the character's name, and then hits him with the hammer absolutely terrifying because at, at, at that point you don't you instantly know okay this is not your typical riddler this is not a, a riddler we've seen who's not going to do the work himself he's more than willing to get his hands d- dirty mm-hmm. to the point where he's enthusiastic of what he's doing um when the movie first starts you see you know him veering off in the darkness and like you said, a lot of dark is used in this movie in such a way that the shadows themselves seem lived in to the point where you know the Riddler's coming, but you don't know how and you don't know where. Similar to like Scream or Seven or what have you. And that's what the Riddler reminded me of in this uh, movie. He reminded me of John Doe from Seven or Jigsaw from Saw mm-hmm. in that he was eight or nine steps ahead of everyone that was chasing him or involved with him. Um, Even to the point where he knew where certain things were going to be, how certain people were going to react to them and, and how to establish those set pieces. Um, Great case in point is the funeral scene. um, When he knows everyone that's anyone in the city is going to be there. He knows how to make the DA the center of attention with that car accident with the bomb attached to his neck. Whoever wrote that scene and did that scene, uh, the choreography of that scene, the mapping of that scene is a genius because in that moment, you know that it's escalated and that the Riddler is a devious character in that he knows what everybody's worried about and the spoilers of what he's showing to the audience and to the Riddler themselves. 
one of the cool things of the one of the cool parts about that, and I was going to actually bring this up later, but this is a good transition. One of the cool scenes in that particular scene is right before the car comes crashing in, like when you start to hear the screaming and the thumping mm-hmm. or whatever, Bruce looks up into mm-hmm. the rafters and uh, the Riddler is standing up there, standing mm-hmm. down at Bruce Wayne, which leads me to a question that I, I want to ask. I have a couple of the points that I, I want to bring up about the Riddler, but okay. my question to you is, I, I was fervently, I've now seen this movie two times, and I am convinced, Frank, that the Riddler knew who Batman was. I am even more convinced now than I was the first time that I saw this movie. There is literally only one scene in that movie that gives me any kind of doubt. And even in that scene, I am convinced, This in the scene where he's in, when when uh, Riddler calls for Bruce, or calls for the mm-hmm. Batman to come to mm-hmm. the jail, and he keeps saying, Bruce Wayne, Bruce. And Bruce looks up at the camera to see, oh, he's looking up at the camera. And then he kind of backs off like, you know, the Bruce Wayne's the only person that we didn't get. Um, but we got all the rest of them, and you helped me with this, blah, 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 blah. That's the only reason that I have any kind of doubt that he didn't know, because everything else in that, in that movie, including the scene that you're talking about in the church, when he's staring down, looking down, he ain't looking down at everybody else. He's looking at Bruce. He's staring at Bruce Wayne. Is he staring at Bruce Wayne because Bruce Wayne is one of the people he's coming after? Or does yes. he know that Bruce Wayne is Batman? I'm going to say the, the former, not the latter. And it's because, you know, as we watch the movie, we realize that Tom Wayne, Thomas Wayne, had some type of connection to a reporter getting killed. We find that out. So and then we also find out later on still that it's not Batman he's targeting. He's targeting Bruce Wayne for his final murder. And that's simply because Bruce Wayne was the childhood the Riddler never had, was the vision of the perfect childhood, as the Riddler explains later. Um, He was this person who lived in the Golden Tower untouched by the, 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 the savage murder of his parents. While Riddler started off as an orphan, period, point blank, nothing happening changes that. And you get the sense that the Riddler feels that's not fair, but he's not thinking, oh, Batman caused me to feel this way. He's saying specifically Bruce Wayne is making me feel this way. I don't think it's because he knows that Bruce Wayne is the Batman. I think it's simply because it's an act of vengeance and he wants Bruce to know that it's his fault. Not that it's Batman's fault. I agree. I agree. I I don't disagree with that at all. My only thing is Riddler gives Batman credit for becoming the Riddler. He's like, I've always kind of had these thoughts in my mind, but until Mm -hmm. I saw what you were out here doing and using your violence and using fear and using vengeance as a tool... I didn't know what to do. You motivate. Mm-hmm. You gave me the motivation to do that. Batman gave him the motivation to do that. Bruce Wayne mm-hmm. gave him a motivation to hate Bruce Wayne and Thomas Wayne and the Arkham's and mm-hmm. uh, oh, uh, also just a point of reference: uh, the the mayor. It was the mayor of Gotham, uh, Mayor Don Mitchell, who he killed yes. at the very beginning of the movie. Um, yes, thank you. Yes. Um, 
But yes, yeah, so all and all of these things from the killing of him to the to the to the DA and everybody else, the the former commissioner, it, the, he had he knew that this was something he wanted to do. He just didn't know a way of going about it, and he helped him with that. Whereas Bruce Wayne was, like you said, I could not agree more. The antithesis of what he had. I mean, the only the only similarity is they were both both orphans, but Bruce Wayne was Bruce Wayne. Um, and he was just a normal kid in, in mm-hmm. this uh, orphanage. I felt like, and you tell me what you think, and then we'll move on. I, I thought I felt like Edward, what was his Nashton? Edward Nashton, uh, mm-hmm. aka the Riddler. His goal was to kill Bruce Wayne mentally, emotionally. I think okay. that he, I think that he called uh, in the scene um, where. They find oh um they find they Edward pull oh 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 they they go to the they go to the orphanage and he's looking at the he's looking at the thing and he leads them to the to the orphanage um, right where they where he sees the sins of the father or whatever and that's mm-hmm. when he realizes he's attacking Bruce Wayne I think that he sent them there on purpose including Bat- Batman who he knows is Bruce Wayne with the intention of killing Alfred. Because once he kills Alfred, now Batman has, that's the only other person that he knows of that that Bruce Wayne would have any kind of connection to. And if you kill this, if you kill Alfred, then you kill anything that Bruce has as far as humanity is concerned. And in essence, you are killing Bruce Wayne and giving life to the Batman uh, that that, uh, that Edward Nashon has come to admire, appreciate, be thankful for, and looks as an inspiration. You know I love you, right? You're like <laughs> yes, my best friend. You're like my best friend. You're my cousin. Everything about you I like. Except that point. Because, oh my God, that is the dumbest idea ever. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The Riddler does not know who Batman is. And here's why. Every single riddle is addressed to the Batman. It's not addressed to Bruce. It's not addressed to Mr. Wayne. None of that stuff. Um, instead, it's addressed to the Batman. Uh, every riddle is addressed to him, including the riddle at Bruce Wayne's house. The reason why I say it like that is because the riddle at Bruce Wayne's house continues the play, continues the path. Not only that, but if Bruce Wayne is known to be the Riddler or to be known to be Batman, the Riddler still doesn't know, and that's exposed by the fact that the bomb goes off and Alfred's there. The point isn't proven if you don't kill Bruce Wayne, which he states repeatedly is his goal, to kill Bruce Wayne, period. At no point that does he say, oh, I wanted to make the old you, the new you. People don't know who Bruce Wayne is because this re- he's a recluse, recluse throughout the entire movie. You get that point by when he goes to the funeral. Somebody is shocked, and the red and the newspaper on the journal, huh? Falcone is he's like, right? Look at this funeral, it brings out somebody who's more of a recluse than even I am. Mm -hmm. And everybody is shocked to see that. Everyone, and at least everybody knows who Falcone is. They have no like at first, nobody knows who Bruce is when he walks in at all because nobody knows what he'd look like. So, for the Riddler to know that Batman is there is a fallacy. You would know who the how who Bruce is because of the past. 
he wouldn't be able to connect two and two together to see that Batman knows Bruce Wayne or is Bruce Wayne because he's only going after the victim. He's only going after the people that are involved with all of the lying as he sees. He doesn't see Bruce Wayne as lying to the com- to the public as to him, him being Batman and all that stuff, or else we'd have seen him address Batman as Bruce and Bruce as Batman. Instead, he is constantly reducing or attacking people who are related to his birth, related to his beginning. However, he explicitly, explicitly states that Batman did not bring him the birth, that like you said, the Batman motivated him. Those are the words he actually uses. You motivated me. He didn't say, oh, I got the idea to become this psychopath because I know who you are, Batman. Ha ha, Bruce Wayne. Ha ha ha. No, the reason why he's saying Bruce, Bruce, Bruce is simply because, like you said, that's the one that got away. I I think this is such a good topic. And Airbus, I, I would truly love to hear your feedback. There's only one other point that I want to make. The very opening scene when he kills Don Mitchell, mm-hmm. he kills the he kills Don Mitchell. I think he leaves the mom alive, mm-hmm. but he also keeps the son alive. Mm-hmm. And they mentioned it, it was like twenty years. I don't think they actually ever say to the day, but it was definitely mm-hmm. within the same week of when Bruce's parents were also killed. Mm-hmm. Why did Joe or why did Riddler choose? the 20-year anniversary, a week within the 20-year anniversary of Bruce's parents to die to start this rampage on Gotham. That's all you I'm saying. You literally just answered your own question. You literally just answered your own question. Because by then, how do, he doesn't know that Batman is him. He only knows that Bruce is the final target because Bruce had the life that he wanted and the life he thought he deserved. Instead, he attacks Bruce finally because he wants Bruce, the person who he blames for his life, to see everyone else die. And for Bruce to know that his family was the cause of all of this, was the cause for the, fa- for the town to be overrun by the mob, was the cause for the town to be buried in, in garbage and filth, and was the reason that this family essentially created the Riddler not knowing that Bruce is Batman. He only was targeted at Bruce the entire time. There's no evidence at all that shows that he was going after Batman. It's funny that you keep saying that there's no evidence at all. Let me me make one last point. (laughs) And this speaks to the detective ability of Batman. The fact that he never makes the assumption that Bruce and Batman are that that Batman never connects that Bruce is Batman and Batman is Bruce and the Riddler knows is simply because he's literally able to deduce everything else. The only person that helps him once is Alfred. And that's it. Batman is able to discover everything else. He knows everything. And for him not to connect Riddler knows him is a testament to the fact that Riddler doesn't know him. I, I keep wanting to move on, but the more you keep talking, the more you keep fueling uh, the <laughs> fact that the more you keep fueling the fact that I feel like I could be right too, because I, you know what, I'm gonna let it go. Uh, there, okay, <laughs> there's only one point. Okay, so when he kills 
he kills Alfred. You know, first of all, you keep saying there's no hints. There's no hints. When when he goes to um when they go to the house, when they finally find out where Ed lives at or whatever, and they walk around in the house, um, and there's like a bunch of stuff with Bruce Wayne and Batman, and there's like, you know, these little things like you know who you really are and mm-hmm. I know who you really are. Then there's a scene in the in the in the jail where he's like where Riller's like, you know, it's funny they keep trying to unmask us, but we both know that this is who you really are. This mask is who you really are. Mm-hmm. Um, there is, uh, oh, when he when he tries to kill Alfred, um, and Bruce is there, and all the other things, and when he left, when he leaves, he always left some kind of uh, um, cipher or riddle or mm-hmm. something. Mm-hmm. The only thing that the thing, the only thing that the uh, card reads. When he leaves the thing and for Alfred is see you in hell. There's no riddle. Mm-hmm. There's no nothing. Just see you in hell. Why would you write that to somebody? Unless why would you write that to why would you write that to somebody who you don't know is Bruce Wayne? If you unless you know that you are killing off Bruce's final piece. In essence, killing Bruce Wayne just not in the physical sense, but in every the emotional the spiritual so all that is left is the shell which is the vigilante the batman okay we so can talk, okay you get this is nope, your fi- you final your word point? no let's final get, word let me, final word okay okay so let's go ahead and take apart your theses let's go ahead and do that once and for all shall we shall we can we would you okay so your first point was this is you this is the real you that's not that's this is your mask right Everybody says that about Batman. Why? Because he's always wearing a mask. Everybody accepts that Batman is the real person because whoever he is doesn't matter, period. When that bomb goes to Alfred instead of Bruce, he doesn't know Bruce is Batman and Batman is Bruce because he's still leaving hints and clues to Batman. He doesn't know that the bomb this is was about, always no, shut about up, shut up, Batman. don't come me off. It wasn't about Bruce Wayne. It was always about Batman. No, it wasn't. He actually says, see you in hell to Bruce. It just happens that Alfred gets the letter first. And it's evidenced by the fact that there are no more riddles left. There aren't anything else. There's no questionnaire. There's no, there's no syllabus. There's no uh, uh, anything at all from the Riddler because that's the end. He's under the impression that he's killed Bruce Wayne. And there's no physical, mental, and all that stuff. It's not until he realizes that the bomb went off on the wrong person that he gets pissed. And that he starts to initiate his final plan. Because he didn't know he was going to get captured, I I believe. I feel that he only got mad when he found out he didn't kill Bruce Wayne. So that's, if you listen, that's when he gets on these all these boards of veteran fans to start raising help. It's not until then... That he incites this group to activate. That's a failsafe in case it goes wrong. Thirdly, when he's in, um, you keep on going back to the Arkham and to the final scene where it says, um, where he keeps on chanting Bruce's name and why he says that Bruce is the final target. The reason why, and I'll go back to this again, is that he wants Bruce to realize that it's his parents' fault that he's getting killed. It's not that he is a final piece to the puzzle of him being Batman. It's not him being killed emotionally so that Batman can run the risk for run right forever. No, it's that he 
explicitly states through all of the murders and through the evidence that Thomas Wayne got into bed with the mob to, to hold back the truth about Martha, that we realize that he has targeted the Wayne family, not that he's targeting Batman. I think this is easily one of the most fascinating discussions that we've had. Um, I honestly, I could continue to talk about it because the more you talk, the more I know I'm right. And the more I talk, <laughs> the more, you know, you right. And I think that is what made this movie so great. Um, is I guarantee you there is probably, there are probably a lot of people who feel both ways. And again, bookmark or ear, earbuds. Sorry. Um, we would love to hear your feedback on this. Uh, whether or not you feel like uh, the Riddler or Edward Nash knew who Batman was. Excellent conversation. Let's talk about Catwoman. Damn. First of all, Zoe Kravitz was amazing. It baffles my mind. Uh, I, I think it was the last movie uh, that they had Catwoman in. Anne Hathaway ended up playing her. Um, mm -hmm. Zoe Kravitz wanted to play Dark Knight Rises. I don't know why I was drawing a blank on the name of that. Uh, that Zoe Kravitz had auditioned, but they didn't want her to be, they didn't think she could be Catwoman because they felt like she wasn't, or they felt like she was too, quote, urban, um, black, to be Catwoman. And to me, this is easily the best Catwoman performance I've ever, I've seen. Now, maybe a lot, the movie played a lot of part, uh, had a lot to do with that. Um, but she was she was a perfect, believable Catwoman. And to me, one of the things that I, I really liked about her, Riddler does the same thing uh, in the sense, because you mentioned at the very end when they asked one of the henchmen, like, who are you? And he says, I'm vengeance, the same way Batman says to those people when he's to that gang when he's fighting them at the very beginning and only and then all of a sudden Bruce is starting to realize oh shoot you know maybe I need to figure out another way in the same way Catwoman kind of does the same thing when she is trying to kill Falcone at the end and Bruce keeps telling her like there's a better way you know if you kill him you know then you are no you know better than he is you don't mm -hmm. have to suffer anymore because you suffered enough already and if you you know put a bullet in his head then you just you're going to suffer about it the rest of his life the rest of your mm -hmm. life um i thought that she was yeah i thought that she was perfect for that part of the movie but honestly i just i just loved her character um she was such a badass and i absolutely adored i absolutely adored her in that and I truly am hoping that we about to get a Catwoman spinoff, whether it be an HBO Max show or a Catwoman movie. Um, I love Zoe Kravitz as well. She does a lot with whatever she's given. A lot of people forget that she was in Mad Max, uh, Fury Rose. She was Ooh, one she of the. She was in Mad Max. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, and she carried, and she was the badass in that role too. She's very drawn to those strong, powerful women. And I think that leads credit to her willingness to pick those roles. However, I, I don't think she's the best Catwoman. I do think she's really good. She's second only to Holly Berry. I, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Um, I was like, <laughs> we about to have a whole other 20-minute conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she's second only to Anne Hathaway, and the reason is simple. I think that Anne Hathaway's art, while similar to Catwoman's, uh, while similar to Zoe Kravitz's art, it's very similar. Um, we find out that she has a friend 
we find out that she's doing all this stuff for the friend, not for herself. And she's in bed with the mob for one reason or another. And one reason Zoe Kravitz is in there because of her dad or her, her dad is. Meanwhile, Catwoman is doing it because she's trying to keep her friends safe, period. Um, with the money she's constantly get, obtaining to get out of Gotham. And I think that that line shows more growth. I think that that Catwoman shows a deviousness that Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman doesn't show. I think that it shows the manipulative ability that Catwoman always has had. And I think that Zoe Kravitz's Catwoman is more of a uh, Honey Penny or whatever the character's name in James Bond is. I can't remember her name. Money Penny. That is, yes, thank you, Money Penny. Um, that she's always there, but not there. In that she's his proxy on a lot of these missions, especially the ones in the club. Um, whereas Catwoman really is her own entity in Dark Knight Rises. Honestly, Anne Hathaway's character in Dark Knight Rises was kind of forgettable to me so I don't really have much to say as far as what okay. she was or wasn't in that movie except for a reason for Bruce to leave Gotham finally um, okay. I actually would yeah that's the one I can remember everybody else's part in all these movies except for Catwoman and um, yeah I guess this is again something that Airbus I would love to hear your feedback on because yeah I I felt like I felt like Zoe Kravitz would have been a better Catwoman in Dark Knight Rises than Anne Hathaway was. Ah, I, I don't know. I think I think I like this one because she's already upset with her father. Then mm -hmm. she starts to see this woman. Um, she starts to see this woman in the club, only to find out that this woman in the club knew something she didn't. She wasn't supposed to know. And ends up disappearing. And the only reason Zoe Kravitz was Catwoman even really starts to take the steps that she's taken in the first place. And the only reason why Bruce even meets her is because she's trying to keep her girlfriend safe only for this girl to end up dead. And now Zoe is trying to get revenge on the woman, on the man who killed her, who also mm -hmm. just happened to be her father. Like that whole story within this movie was incredible. Then I love the fact that. Falcone was her was her father no but <laughs> I love like the angle I love like the extra layers that mm -hmm. it added on to her and yeah she just felt so she just felt very real to me as a character in the sense that like I said I felt like Anne Hathaway's Catwoman was really only there to serve as a catalyst for Bruce just same same thing as uh jo Joseph Gordon-Levitt's character just served as uh catalyst for Bruce to retire as Batman and to spend the rest of his days with this woman. Now neither one of them neither one of them doing anything. They just out here sipping drinking teas in some <coughs> European place where Alfred goes to hang out. I don't remember where they were at. Anyway, um but I did the like I said, the main thing that I liked about her was and I guess in this sense she was kind of the same way, kind of a catalyst for Bruce to mm-hmm look within and find change within himself that, you know, maybe vengeance isn't the way. Um, I'm just and glad the, that... Go ahead, go ahead. And that's the thing that kind of narrowed Anne Hathaway's character down for me. 
was because she didn't need to go through that growth. Um, instead, she knew who she was from jump. And it's through Batman that she realizes things shouldn't be doing the way she's being done. She, uh, You can see that by that rooftop fight they have with Bane's henchmen. She wants to kill immediately, but Batman stops her. He says, no guns. And she goes, well, where's the fun in what we're doing? And that fight encapsulates everything in their relationship with them. She's enjoying the work, not because it's there, or she's enjoying it. She's not doing it because it's there. Batman is there to be the Dark Knight, to protect. And that's something she should be doing with her power and her (laughs) responsibility, but she's not. And I think that arc in The Dark Knight Rides is a more complete arc. Um, Sure, the storyline in The Batman is more of a growth in a way, but I think that Anne Hathaway inhabits the growth just better than Zoe Kravitz. I now they don't get me wrong. I think that Catwoman was amazing in the in the Batman. I truly do. But I think that Anne Hathaway, maybe it's just because Anne Hathaway is older than her, so she knows how to communicate this better. But she feels, and we keep on saying this as well, but Anne Hathaway seems more lived in in terms of her Catwoman. Again, another great uh, debate for you, Earbuds. We'd love to hear your feedback um, on who you thought a better Catwoman was and what you thought uh, what you thought about Zoe Kravitz. Uh, but we know for a fact that you nobody knows, uh, or everybody knows for a fact that Halle Berry was not, and I love Halle Berry, <laughs> definitely was not the best cat, Catwoman. Okay. Um, <laughs> Uh, we don't have to spend so much time on this, and I honestly, I feel like we're probably on the same breath, but I do want to talk about Alfred's character. Um, he wasn't, like, it obviously wasn't a huge part of this movie, but he kind of was, also in the sense of the growth of Batman. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of people, when I first talked to them about this movie, the one of the things that they were the most upset about was that we didn't see, this was not the Bruce Wayne that they were expecting to see, you know, live. We keep talking about lived in, but a lived in, you know, he's been Batman for a while. He knows what he's doing. You know, Alfred is his not not just his butler, but his friend and and confidant and partner. Uh, mm-hmm. and we didn't see a lot of that in this movie. Like a, a lot of Batman was very rough, including his Bruce Wayne persona, which we know turns into more of a billionaire playboy, just so that he can kind of keep everybody off of their heels um and his relationship with alfred in this movie he's very distant very cold with alfred um and i thought that that helped out a lot but actually i want to give you the floor first i took catwoman first frank so uh what were your what was your overall um thoughts on alfred's character um everything about alfred in this movie is about sacrifice everything from him constantly trying to keep Bruce on the right path to do something better than what he's doing to him trying to curtail Batman from taking over Bruce's life from giving Bruce the last pair of memories or the last memory he has of his dad in the terms of the cufflinks to Bruce. Mm. And of course the explosion that he takes uh, for the, for the Batman or for the Bruce, for the Wayne family. Sorry. Um, All these things are you, even to the point where he makes this cipher for Batman, not knowing that Batman needs it, 
but doing it because he wants to help Wayne, Bruce, uh, wants to help Bruce overcome whatever he's doing. He he uses the cypher as a way to make Batman work faster so he doesn't stop being Batman with another sacrifice. I actually, that's an excellent way of looking at it. He also sacrificed when he comes out of the coma. The first thing that Bruce says to him is, this is right after he's had, Bruce has had the conversation with Falcone, in which Falcone blames Maroney for killing Mm -hmm. his father, or, yeah, for killing his father after his father came to Maroney, or came to Falcone about the, we talked about it earlier, about the incident with Martha and how he tried to hush him and he couldn't, so he went to Falcone and Falcone ended up killing the guy. Uh, which is what led to the Riddler trying to kill uh, Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. Which Bruce Wayne, was, not Batman, just yeah. saying. Uh, he was trying to kill Bruce Wayne emotionally, not physically. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and and uh, that, so that scene, that scene when he's in the hospital uh, and he's like, you lied to me about all this. And Alfred tells him, like, your father was a good man. He didn't know that he was going to do that. And it was only after all of this uh, he was going to go talk to the father. He was going to go talk to the police. And the night, mm-hmm. that next day, that's when he got killed. And But he kept that from him because Alfred was like, you know, I could teach you to fight and all of this, but you needed a father. And all you had was me, and all I could do was the best I could. And so I kept that mm-hmm. from you. I sacrificed that, and I sacrificed you possibly hating me forever because you know, I'm just trying to do the best I can because, you know, I felt like it was my job to have sacrificed mm, my my uh, life for your family, and I wasn't able to do that. So that this is the this is the best I could do in the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Bruce hearing that, I mean, I think Bruce, I mean, the second Bruce realized that that bomb was about to go off at home, you could already tell that he was already starting to freak out. But mm-hmm. that you know when he's talking to when he's talking to Alfred in there, and he's like, you know, I thought that I was ready. For, you know, I thought I killed off all of this. I thought I had overcome all of this and only almost losing you did I realize that this is not something I'll ever be ready for is losing somebody I care about. That whole scene, if there was a scene that you had to take out of that movie, for me, if there was a scene that you had to take out of that movie that was going to show Bruce Wayne's growth above all the others. And I think there were plenty of scenes, but if there was mm-hmm. one scene that I would think that there was to take was that when Alfred reaches out his hand and, you know, Bruce takes his hand and, you know, mm-hmm. solidarity, like, yo, I care about you and my bad. Like, I didn't realize that until I almost lost you. Like, that was just super duper powerful. Um, yeah. And I just, I just, I loved it. And I thought uh, uh, the guy who played Alfred, I don't know, I'm drawing a blank on his name, but he was so Andy good. Andy um, yes, thank you. Um, he was, he was, per- he was perfect in that role. Yeah, it's funny because Andy Circus is like a chameleon nowadays. Uh, everybody, of course, knows he was Gollum, but he was also Claw in um, Black, Black Panther, Panther and in Age of Ultron. Uh, he can literally melt himself into any in role. Ultron. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that that speaks more to the credit because it, you know you you look at Andy Circus in Age of Ultron, he's not the smallest fella in the room. And then he goes to uh, when he moves on to Alfred, he's not the smallest dude in the room. And you forget that there is growth and he really lives the role. Um, We keep on going into lived in roles and things like that. But in my personal opinion, I think that he 
drives home the fact that he is Alfred and he is the best version of Alfred, in my opinion, even better than Alfred in the animated series. Um, and that's simply because he's willing to do literally everything for Bruce, everything at all. Yes, and that's all he does time and time again in this movie. Even when Bruce didn't want his help, he was always mm-hmm. there to help him. Um, okay. Penguin was, of all the characters, like, uh, Riddler is my favorite, but I think Penguin, I, I, just just from the standpoint, I can just already see where this is going with him. I, I, I'm, I was the one I was the most excited for. I wouldn't say my favorite, but the one I was mm-hmm. most excited for. Because to me, this penguin was very much like the penguin I've been waiting to see. Um, mm-hmm. Not that I mean, nothing against Danny DeVito's penguin. He, you know, he was great for the time, but I really wanted to see like more of that Gotham, like the the TV show Gotham, like that gangster turning into that mob boss mm-hmm. penguin. And when we are introduced to penguin in this one, he's ar- he's already the right hand man of Falcone. And by the end of it, we know that he's about to become, you know, the mob boss. Uh, mm-hmm. penguin especially like that penguin that we see in the arkham in the arkham uh the batman arkham games particularly in mm-hmm. uh, arkham knight by arkham knight he's like a full-blown mob boss and you got to go mm-hmm. take down all of his little stashes or whatever before you fight him at the very end and this is this seems like the the penguin that i am that I'm, I'm super excited to see and i'm super excited for this tv show that he's got coming out you know that we get to see like kind of that rise so by the time mm-hmm. we see a ne- the next batman movie you know, we have seen like that kind of this is kind of like that bridge in which we get to see a what happen. you know, kind of what happens in Gotham during this power struggle after uh, the, the events of Dark Knight or good Lord um, of the Batman. But, you know, kind of by the time we get to that movie now, Penguin's already established as the mob boss. And I'm really excited to see where that goes. Frank, what were your thoughts on Penguin? I was talking earlier about people who blend into their role to the point where you don't even recognize who they are. And it shocks a lot of people. I mean, of course, we've lived in the sh- in the movie now, but at the time it was shocking to know that that was Colin Farrell. Um, a lot of people weren't expecting all that prosthetics to make him look like that, A, and B, for him to act you know, as a not necessarily a right hand man, but a right hand man that is dirty in the sense that he is willing to do anything for his boss, not for himself, which is a different role than both the penguin has been in and a different role that Colin Farrell has been in. Usually he's the main character of a movie or something like that. So, and he was given a lot to chew on in this movie too, which I thought was really cool. Um, and like you said, it's going to be interesting to see what they do with, um, with him and his, and with him and his TV show. But, and one thing I've been thinking of while we've had this conversation is we know Batman's been effect. I'm sorry. I know I keep bouncing around, but we know that Batman has been in effect for two years. We know that by now. So really, this is an origin origin story of his villains in a way, mm. because the Riddler's first murder takes place two years after the Batman's around. Uh, Penguin is is only a, a, a right hand man. They don't address him as the Penguin at all. They call him Oz, as in Oswald Copperpot. Very ex- um, excellent point. And um, other villains don't even show up. Um, so this really drives home the idea of this being an origin story for the villains. 
we don't even see the Joker at all until the very end of the movie. And he's already in the asylum. So, and that was more of a proto Joker. Joker. He doesn't have the maniacal laugh. He just kind of has a laugh. Um, they've already casted one of the uh, Eternals as the Joker. So it's going to be interesting to see what they do with that. I can't remember his name, the actor's name. And, but it's interesting to see that they took this movie as an origin story for the villains. Now to circle back around to the penguin um, or to Oz, they don't even mention him as the penguin at all. Even when he gets shot and he starts doing the hobble and he needs the cane, they don't address him as the penguin at all. And I think that was an interesting choice. His name is Barry Keoghan. Yeah. I don't know if I'm saying that name right, but he was uh, I'm trying to think. Why am I drawing a blank on the, his character? He was the one who could control people's minds in uh, The Eternals. Why am I drawing a blank on his name? It's going to drive me crazy. Anyway, uh, now I'm so distracted. I, I completely forgot <laughs> my point. Because um, now I want to see what this man's name was in this movie. Uh, Druid. His name was Druid in The Eternals, and he was the one who controlled my and yes, I, I, that's, an, that's a very excellent point, uh, how this is a movie for, this is really more of an origin. I never really thought about it that way because we've seen the Batman origin story so many times now mm-hmm. um, that this one, they don't even start. It literally, it just right into the Batman story. But like you said, this is really more of a origin for, you know, Catwoman and, you know, kind of what her some of her motivations are at least you know she's going to go now we know she's going to Bloodhaven, and we know that riddler is going to eventually get out and team up with this unknown joker and penguin's going to turn into this big name and yeah i think that's an excellent point and the cool thing about it is like this being year two there's so many directions that the that this franchise can go like if they want to do a full-blown batman verse this is the perfect way to do it because now you can go everywhere from the introduction of uh, Dick Grayson and mm-hmm. you know all the other all the other big name villains. Uh, Two Face, honestly, I thought that was Two Face in the thing at first because he was just so in the jail with Riddler because he was so mm-hmm. subdued. You kind of see his you kind of see his teeth um, until he started laughing and he was like, you know, one day you're on top and next day you're the clown. I'm like, oh, okay, got it. Um, but like, yeah, to your point, he was so like. He wasn't wild and crazy. He was like, you know, it's okay. You know, Gotham loves the comeback story. Like, he just mm-hmm. so, like, you know, chill. Uh, but, yes, that's a really cool point. And I think that's the cool part about this whole year two business is now you get all that time to, you know, they could go 20 movies deep. They obviously won't. But mm-hmm. they could go so far, so many so many ways. All I want on the on this point is that hopefully we eventually get a Red Hood story. That's all, literally all I want now, and I could die happy, is that we get a Batman. But, I mean, obviously, if you're doing that, that's going to take forever because that was Tim. That was a Tim Drake Batman. So we got at least, he was the third? Second, he was the second or third? Batman. He was the second. second Robin. He was the second because okay. that was, okay. no, it wasn't Tim Drake. Tim Drake was the third Robin. Um, Jason... Oh, I can't think of his last Jason name. Todd. Sorry, you're right. Thank Jason you. Todd. My bad. Jason My bad. Todd was Jason his Todd. second Thank you. Rib- Thank Robin. You. Thank you. You're right. You're right. Um, but and by then he was like already an adult. So 
Mm-hmm. Or Dick Grayson was already in it, though. So mm-hmm. anyway, yes. Excellent points. I'm very excited to see where they go with that. Uh, and now we get to uh, two more topics. Uh, this one <laughs> is very interesting because now we get to finally talk about Robert Pattinson as Batman. Uh, Frank, Frank, I'm going to let you take the floor uh, on your overall thoughts on actually your overall thoughts on Robert Pattinson and where does he rank? I don't need your full rankings, but where does he rank in your Bruce Wayne Batman? Not just Bruce Wayne, not just Batman, but your Bruce Wayne Batman combinations uh, to date. Okay. Um, I will take the first part of your question in that in saying that he was this movie's Heath Ledger. Um, and what I mean by that is when you first heard that Heath Ledger was going to be the Joker, I know my reaction was, really? From 10 Things I Hate About You, really? <laughs> yeah. Are you for real? Night's Tale, really? And then we saw him, and he was a phenomenal Joker. He was absolutely amazing. Let's go with Batman, okay? Robert Pattinson, really? Twilight, really? He was in this detective movie a couple of years ago, but I don't know that movie. He's Batman, really? Yes, he is Batman. He's the Batman. Um, is he? Is he the best Batman? No, I, I've had a couple of days, a couple of weeks to marinate on it, and he does rank up there, but he's not the best uh, Batman Bruce Wayne combo. Um, I think that it's uh, either Adam West or Michael Keaton, depending on the day. Um, And that's simply because those two lived in two certain types of Batman. um, And they were both dynamically opposed. Uh, Adam West was more of the comedic Batman that the 70s needed um, during Vietnam and all that fun stuff. Whereas Batman, uh, Kent, Michael Keaton's Batman was the reinvention that Batman needed. He was the shot in the arm that Batman needed. And if there was no Michael Keaton, there would be no Batman movies, period. And while that's all said, that's all well and good, I've also had a couple of weeks to reflect, and I think that Robert Pattinson, well, actually, he's still my second favorite. But Ben Affleck will always be, unless somebody comes around and does a better job, 20-year Ben Affleck Batman will always be my favorite, uh, the most underutilized Batman in history. I mean, they could have told stories upon stories upon stories on that one, and I would have been here for all of it. Uh, I feel like Michael Keaton is going to give us a good, another shot in the arm of Batman uh, when we see him in Flashpoint. I'm very excited, and that might even help put him up there. But this Batman, Robert Pattinson's Batman, like, we just this this the whole theme of this the whole theme of our uh, discussion on the Batman movie really has just been the world and the characters in that world and how they built it and I felt like that Robert Pattinson was truly to your point he I that part I you and I are completely in, in agreement on when I heard that Robert Pattinson was gonna be Batman I'm like I don't I mean I now I've seen some movies since since I heard that made me think okay he might be okay as Batman. But mm-hmm. to actually have seen him in this movie, like playing that Bruce Wayne who wasn't ready to really 
who didn't really understand yet how to be the Batman that he's eventually going to become. Just mm-hmm. the way he does that. This is the we this is this Batman spoke less than any Batman in in history, in the history of Batman movies uh, or TV shows, whatever. But I felt like he put on such a masterful performance in the fact that he he did so much just with his body language, um, mm-hmm. his mm-hmm. actions, you know, looks on his face, things of that nature, that he didn't really need to say a whole bunch. Like, right. he, 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 he played that brooding Batman, you know, so well. When he, even when he was out in the streets as Bruce Wayne, I literally was thinking in this movie, like, if Batman stayed, if, if, if this Batman, like, didn't have an Alfred or whatever, and he just stayed this Batman forever, it'd only be five, six years before everybody would realize that he was Batman, that Bruce Wayne was mm-hmm. Batman. You got this millionaire recluse, just, we don't ever see him, and then all of a sudden, you just got this random man out here with all these tools and gadgets, and he's bulletproof, and he got all this other stuff going on. Like, I'll just be like, okay, man, and his parents got killed when he was a child. We don't ever see him, and when we do see him, he's miserable all the time. Like, he clearly Batman. <laughs> <laughs> he clearly Batman. Um, and, that's, and I think that's what I loved about this movie, and I think that's what we're going to like about him even more is, like, as we start to see more of the Batman, like, in future projects, we'll see a different – you know, we'll see that that role evolve. And I think that people will really appreciate this movie later on. Like when we go back and see after we watch Batman three or four, in which he's mm-hmm. now more that Batman that we are used to. We'll go back mm-hmm. to this movie and be like, man, like Robert Pattinson really did a good job setting that base character of that Batman. Mm-hmm. So we truly understood like what he was going through and why it was so tough for him. Um, you know, the scenes. Where you know the, the the scene when he's the Batman as the Batman he sees the little boy sitting on the um on, mm-hmm. the, on the on the bed and he just kind of stares at him before Jim makes him walk away like yeah. that was just such a powerful like he just such a good job we don't need to we don't need you to go through this whole thing I mean we know your parents died but we all know as fans him staring at that boy we know exactly what he's thinking um, mm-hmm. when he's standing there and I just thought yeah I just thought that he he just did such a, a great job uh, as yeah he now, really did a good Go ahead. Yeah, when he looked at that kid, I felt, I felt what he was thinking. I knew, I knew what he was thinking. Mm-hmm. That he really wanted a cheeseburger because he had missed lunch that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he was thinking. But yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought he was so wonderful. And then the last point I wanted to make was, um, a lot of people complained or not complained, but they were just surprised that there weren't a lot of like big cool gadgets and stuff in this movie compared to you know like in Justice League he's got the tank and the and the planes and mm-hmm. and all of that and we don't really see a whole lot of that but that goes back to you know how this is all new and the scene that I will always go back to like if you could pick a scene that kind of perfectly defined the kind of Batman that he was it would have been that scene when he jumps off that building in that mm-hmm. jumpsuit and he crashes and burns after pulling out the parachute way too early or at the wrong time or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a perfect testament to the fact that this Batman's got a ways to go before we see, uh, before we have the Batman that we are truly used to. So yeah, again, I mean, um, go ahead, Frank. Yeah, I agree. Um, the biggest point I'll make and then we can go forward is we really don't see even his combat being enhanced in other thing, anything other than equipment. Um, that's evidenced by the shock punches he has. Instead of using his real formidable combat punches, which I don't think will grow into until later, 
um, he uses those gauntlets instead to really drive home the, the strength of his punches. And I think that's um, one of the cool toys we see at the beginning, but we take for granted the rest of the movie. I like the fact that, like, you know, on a lot of these Batman outfits or armor or suits or whatever, like, he's got a bunch of gadgets, but it's all kind of, like, hidden. But this mm-hmm. one, like, they are, like, out there. Like, his grappling mm-hmm. hook, you can see his grappling hook. And yeah, his shot, his shot collar, his shock wrist, like you were talking about, you can see those. And the little darts he's got on, you can see those. Um, mm-hmm. I just I, I I like that, you know, his his suit looked more like body armor. Like, you know, I believe that that suit was a bulletproof suit when I'm looking at it. Like it just seemed much more realistic. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like, you know, how you got all this stuff. And it's all like these little itty bitty things in these little small little compartments on your belt. Um, I really, that was that had nothing to do with uh, Robert Pattinson. But I just thought the design of that suit was cool, which actually we should talk about um, very briefly, like. Uh, did or, did you like this suit? Were there suits that were suits off the top of your head that you like more than this one? Because I had to say off the top of my head, this one was my favorite. Number two, close second would be uh, the Batman Superman, the Batman versus Superman uh, Batman suit. Yeah, I mean those are one A and one B, and that's just and it depends on the day that I flip those, and that's really because of the utility of them. Um, they're they're fantastic. They're obviously fantastical bits of inqui- of equipment, but you see them and you can believe them. Um, especially with uh, Ben Affleck's Batman, because it's all it's huge, it's clunky, and it's something you believe a normal human would use to fight an alien with superpowers. One hundred percent. I one hundred percent agree. Uh, okay, so. Now comes the fun part and our last topic. I loved the Batman. Is it my favorite Batman movie? No. Dark Knight is still my favorite Batman movie. This movie and that movie were two totally different movies. Mm-hmm. But with neither of them did I ever feel like, I mean, they both were long. But they were both really good to me. There was no down point in either, but they both kind of had different objectives. Mm-hmm. Uh, this Batman movie was kind of to show Batman early on growing, you know, going from vengeance to hope. The, the, the Dark Knight was really about showing Batman sh- understanding that he can't control everything. That mm-hmm. as much as he can, that he believe, you know, as much as he wants to, because th- that Batman, you could tell even in that movie that he wanted out the game. He was only going to be Batman, so he didn't have to be Batman no more. And he was hoping that Harvey Dent was going to give him the reason to get out of the game. And then Harvey ends up turning evil, and everybody ends up having to turn on him. And you got the Joker mixed into all this. And I just thought that whole, like, just the whole that whole story in which you know you have Harvey and he turns into that, and, and you got Joker, who t- to me is still the best Batman villain that we've seen on screen. Um, that Heath Ledger Joker, it was just it, it was so good, um, and it was just so like gut wrenching, like the things that it ended up costing Bruce. Uh, with his love interest and the things that end up costing Batman with Harvey turning evil and then becoming a, going from being, you know, hoping to get out the game to now being like the most wanted man. Well, you know, Batman's most wanted now. Um, just like everything that movie cost the both of them 
uh, it was just, oh, I just, I love that story so much. And for me, that's why that will be, that will stay my favorite, even though this one was an excellent one because we get to see Batman be a detective. And we've already talked about the character growth and everything, but yeah. So to me, the Batman, or I'm sorry, Dark Knight is still my favorite movie. Frank, what say you? The Dark, uh, the, the Batman. Um, for one reason, um, they both have great character growth. They both have great villains. They both have a world that's lived in. They both have established that character, their main character has to go through some stuff in order to become the better version of batman however the batman has one thing that no other batmans have had before and we see a little bit of it in the dark knight in where he analyzes the bullet but the batman shows that that batman is truly the greatest detective in the dc universe bar none he only needs a cipher from alfred to understand every single one of the riddles, every single one. When he gets on scene, he's like, hey, I know you're looking for this, but did you see this over here? Look at that over there. Pay attention to this. And he's doing this to a fleet of cops that are in the, off, in the, in the scene right then and there. He's able to point stuff out. He's able to analyze things. And most importantly, he's able to smart to outsmart people, including the Riddler. Um, that's why he's able to have the Riddler not know who he is. Um, <laughs> but in all seriousness, um, I think that the best part about this Batman was he didn't have Freddy Krueger's voice. Um, 100%. Dark, Dark Knight sounded like he was, he was gargling on marbles made out of glass that were broken. Um, whereas this Batman sounded, I don't want to say normal, but he sounded like a deep version of himself if that makes sense um he, he the fact that he sounded normal drove home the fact that he doesn't have all the belts in the belfry to use the pun he's not all the way there um in terms of sanity and i think that's what drives people to say oh yeah he's he's on the side of good but he's you know scary and i think that's to your point like at the very end of that movie when he's trying to help them and out of the water in the Mm -hmm. in the madison square garden or or it's called it gotham square (laughs) garden um the mayor does not want to take his hand nobody else wants Mm -hmm. to take his hand it's only after that little boy the mayor's son you know takes his help does he finally the people like okay finally because like yeah Mm -hmm. to your point like everybody saw him as like this real intimidating figure my favorite Batman voice is still uh, the modulated voice that Ben Affleck does. I'm like, why didn't every Batman do the modulation? Like, <laughs> y'all billionaires. Um, but yes, I, I thought that that movie. Now, is it is it still ownable? Am I still going to go buy it and put it in my in my collection? One hundred percent. I'll probably have seen that movie twenty times before we see the the next iteration. Yep. It, I mean, it was. And to your point too, like. This movie, unlike any other movie, we truly get to see Batman as a detective, like trying to figure things out. Uh, when in that first scene, when he walked, where they're walking through and they see his fingers cut off, and Batman's like, "Oh, he was still alive when that was cut off." You can see mm-hmm. such and such around the edges. Um, 
I was like, oh, damn, like, they really showing, like, this man, like, not only is he out here, like, kicking ass, but he's not dumb. Like, he's not a dumb person. Mm-hmm. And I and, and honest, and I think that helped to show, like, why Jim had already built such a rapport and, and established a relationship with him because even Jim was able to see, like, this man is, he, yes, he's dressed like a bat, but he's still, you know, he's still serious business. He's probably better, he's a better detective than everybody we got here. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, great discussion. Book or good, I keep wanting to call these people bookmarks. Earbuds. Um, I am dying to hear your feedback on. I, I think this is probably the best discussion, particularly over the Riddler. Uh, it's probably the best discussion that we've had on this show, and I would love to hear your feedback. Do you think that Edward Nashton, aka the Riddler, knew who Batman was or not? Did you think that Catwoman? <laughs> no. Did you think that Catwoman, uh, played by Zoe Kravitz, was the best iteration of Catwoman we have seen? And if not, was it Anne Hathaway? Was it uh, Michelle Pfeiffer? Was it Halle Berry? Uh, who do you think it was? Um, Don't forget Eartha Kitt. What'd you say? Don't forget Eartha Kitt. Eartha Kitt. I, you know, I'm just trying to throw out some examples. Um, <laughs> Penguin, Bruce Wayne, like, did you think this was the best Bruce Wayne? Did you think this is the best Batman movie? There's so much to talk about uh, and so much uh, for discussion, and we would love to get your feedback. We are uh, on Facebook at uh, Pros and Conversations. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Conversing Pros. Uh, We would love to hear any and all feedback that you have on what I feel like has been our best show to date. So for Frank Patterson, I'm Lance Howard. We'll talk to you soon. See ya.